about y'all, but I, when I'm going on a trip, I really don't like to backtrack. Uh, you guys ever, you know, make a wrong turn and you have to, you know, do a detour kind of a thing to get back to where you started? It's really frustrating. Or when you have little kids, um, you know, or let's say you get on the road, more than once we get on the road, 10 minutes down the road, and some child will say, oh, I'm not wearing any shoes, you know. They, and that's kind of my fault, I should have put shoes on you, but... And then you got to turn around and go back to get the shoes or whatever it is you forgot. We really, you know, but sometimes you do have to go back to the start in order to, to know where you're going. You have to return to the origin point to get on the right direction, right? Uh, I remember one time I was driving in the mountains outside of Franklin. It's just west, you know, way west of here for sure. And uh, I was trying to find the main interstate, and I was so far off the interstate this was back in the 90s, so I had to go into a gas station to ask someone where to go. And I go into a gas station, and I said, excuse me, sir, can you tell me how to get to interstate whatever? And he looks at me, and he says, boy, you can't get there from here. <laughs> you know, we don't really like change. It, it's not always popular. As Mark Twain said, the only person that likes change is a wet baby. You know, we don't really enjoy it, but sometimes change is necessary. Uh, healthy things grow. There's positive change. There's negative change. There's positive growth. And sometimes you have to go back to the start in order before you can really begin the journey. Sometimes you have to return to that place of your origin before you can begin to know where you actually need to go toward. Many times the old roads are the best roads. Returning to the old way that which you were given in your life uh, is the best place. And when we choose to deviate from the old roads, especially of our faith, uh, and we ignore the guardrails that are put in place, it's much to our own peril. As G.K. Chesterton said, don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason why it was put up to begin with. Before you ask if you could, you should maybe ask if you should. When we deviate from the old roads, especially of the Christian faith, uh, we should maybe ask, why were they so well-trodden to begin with? And maybe some of us have strayed away from God. You've strayed away from the, the faith of your youth. Or you, you're, you're returning now to a place of trusting God more than you used to. And, and you walked off those old roads. You know you need church. You know you need peace. You know you need answers. And the, the heart cry of God is still the same as it was in, as in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, where God's cry is still the same to this very day, where he says things like this, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your clothing, not exterior signs, but interior, draw near to me. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. You know, when we get to crossroad moments in life, when we have tough decisions that are in front of us, in those places, we have to do those, that hard work of discernment, of decision-making, of wise choices, and trying to do it in the way that honors the path in which we've been led thus far. We have to re really remember the one who led us thus far. And we, it's, it's good to go back in order to know how to move forward. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, the prophet Jeremiah speaks to the nation of Judah. And they're at a point in their history where they're enslaved. They're at war. 
Uh, They're being attacked from all sides. And the prophet of God, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, cries out to the nation and really says to them, remember the ancient way. Remember the faithfulness of God who has led you thus far. Continue to trust the one who has led you even to this place of confusion. He is still with you, but return to the ancient path. And so in Jeremiah's day, their religious leaders had failed them, their priests and their prophets. And the nation of Judah was under judgment. And Jeremiah mourned the state of his people, as we see in these words of Jeremiah 6. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain, from prophet to priest. So there's great corruption in the Jewish temple and synagogues at the time. Everyone deals falsely. They've treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You know, it's so important sometimes in order to know which way you have to go, you have to, don't, you have to accept the problem before you can realize the solution. And the, the leadership at the time of, of Judah denied the reality of their situation. They sort of had rose-colored glasses and saying, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. There's not warriors at the gates. We're not going to fall. We're not going to be enslaved. And Jeremiah is the only one speaking to the people and saying, no, that's not what's happening. It's far worse than you can imagine. And before you acknowledge the truth, you can't even see the lie for what it is. And he goes on to say, they acted shamefully. They committed abomination. And they were not ashamed. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look. I'll stop there for a second. It's important sometimes when we come to crossroads moments in life to stand and simply look at surveying the situation around you. That in that situation, everything then was not peaceful. So you need to see, look at the decisions you have in front of you. The word for stand there, stand at the crossroads in Hebrew Ta'amod means to be still, to be mindful. It was used when a servant was standing at the ready at the hand of their master. A, a, a mindfulness. So it's this reminder that when you stand at a crossroads moments in life, it doesn't mean that's a passive action. It's one of, of readiness, of, of a spirit of trust and faith. Sometimes waiting on God in moments of, of crossroads is not in action, but it's better sometimes to stand still and to breathe and to pray and wait on God than acting impulsively and jumping ahead. And this also, in Jeremiah, he continues to say this, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it. So Jeremiah is saying to the people then, you're at the crossroads, stand, wait on me, I'll, I'll let you know when it's time to walk, Ask God for the ancient past, return to the way in which you've been led thus far, where the good way lies, and now comes action. Walk in it. Walk in it. Go in the place that I've now led you. One of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. There's not, there is a time and a season where you have to walk in faith and move forward. And now, especially for this church, it is that time not to act impulsively but to wait on God, and when he says go, go. And as God says here, return to the ancient paths where the good way lies, and then walk in it, 
and find rest for your souls. But the people, they said, we will not walk in it. Every movement of God in the history of the world eventually turns into a monument. They start out with the vigor and the fire and the passion and the growth and the explosive nature and the spirit of God moving across hundreds and thousands of people's lives, but eventually they turn into monuments about looking back wistfully to what was. And John Wesley lived at a time period in the 18th century where that was a reality for his life as well. He never left his Anglican church in which he was ordained as a priest, but he did become convicted that the Christian movement at his day and age had become a monument to the past. And instead, he realized we have to re- he had to, in the, and God wanted him and others, to rekindle the movement that began in the first place, right? To go back to the ancient paths, to rekindle pure, biblical, scriptural Christianity. Because in, in his day and age, the Church of England had regressed into a lethargic church of the educated and the cultured and the wealthy. And he was not content with that state of affairs. And we today, my friends, live in the exact same sort of time period where most people in our culture do not know of the love of Jesus for their lives. They don't know. And many times churches mean well, but we're talking about things that people that are outside of the church don't understand. And we have to meet them where they are. Whereas you and I might be a five, six, or a seven on the scale of understanding, a lot of people are simply a zero. And that's not a judgment. But we need to help them get from zero to one, right? And so it was, that's how it was back with John Wesley's day too. So what did he do about it? He and other circuit riders in America and he, Wesley, in England and across much of the world went out into the workhouses, the village streets, the crossroads in the middle of town, the coal mines, even in open fields, preaching repentance of sin and forgiveness of sin to anyone that would listen. So when Wesley talked about returning to the old roads, he meant returning to the day of Pentecost, returning to the, to the pages of the Bible, the people that acted with holy love and boldness, preaching with zeal that faith is not a passive action, but it is active in what we do, that when we act on our faith, the Spirit of God is unleashed through us into the world to return to those first 300 years of the church, those those years leading up to the Nicene Creed, the church in Acts, go on and on to remember that sometimes we have to go back in order to go forward and remember the fire and the vigor with which we first set out. For example, a church father named, uh, was a bishop of the early church. He was a disciple of the apostle John, a contemporary of Ignatius, and a teacher of others. According to Irenaeus, Polycarp was instructed by the apostles. He was brought into contact with many who had seen Jesus. And so Polycarp was martyred by the Romans. But here's a guy in the second century who knew the disciples. He knew the apostles. And he instructed others that came after him. This is what Polycarp said in the second century. Even back then, let us therefore forsake the vanity of the crowd and their false teaching and turn back to the word delivered to us from the beginning. That the movement can become, that the monument can become a movement again 
if we return back to the word that was given to you at the beginning. Whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it was yesterday, or maybe it was in seventh grade when you gave your life to Jesus at a church camp, or whatever it is, and maybe it's today. But to return to the word of God as it was given to you in the beginning, to return to the old road, the ancient path, to return back to that place of power and that place of promise and faithfulness. Wesley foresaw what could happen to the Methodist church and when he said words like this, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America, but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case, he's speaking prophetically, unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. You have to return to those places of upholding doctrine, welcoming the Holy Spirit into your life and ministry and church, and living a life of personal discipline. If those three things line up, you can return to that place of seeing God do what only God can do. I always kind of cringe when a pastor says that it's their church. You ever heard pastors say this? My church, right? I always cringe because it's not your church. This is not my church. This is not Jeff Patterson's church. This is Jesus's church. It's his church. It's not, even, it's not your church either, because one day we'll all be gone. This is Jesus's church. He's the one who heals people, not me. He's the one. Many times I feel simply like a bystander, because he's the one that can do it. He's the only one that can sanctify and deliver and cast out demons and break addictions and heal your marriage and, and heal relationships and, give, and restore the image of God on your soul. I can't do that, nor could I ever claim to. It's all his presence and his power. It's his church, not mine or yours. We have to remember the old roads and to trust the one who led you thus far. I would, I would warn this generation to, many times we have generational snobbery. We'll look back as those who have gone before us and think we're wiser than they were. We're not. We're no better. We, we, if, if, if we don't heed that warning, we'll live out the cliche statement, those who do not learn from the mistakes of the past are doomed to repeat them. It made me think about in Genesis 19 when uh, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah is under judgment and, and Abraham knows that uh, when Lot, especially God warns Lot and his family and says, you've got to get out of this city. These two angels come and speak with Lot and say, you've got to go. God has told us to judge the city. We, the angels, are going to destroy it today. And so they, they pack up Lot and his wife. We never know her name. And his children, his two daughters, and they start to leave the city. And what does Lot do? Lot's wife does. She, instead of doing what she was commanded, the angels tell her, do not turn around, do not look back, get out. As they're leaving, though, she turns around and looks wistfully at where the life she lived. And she t- apparently turned into a pillar of salt. Going back to the start is not the same as looking back at where you started. God doesn't want us to do that, to look back at what was, but to look forward to what is and what will be and what God will do, to not make an idol out of what 
was, but to trust the one who delivered you thus far. Because God said this again, ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and you will find rest for your souls. It, that sounds like Jesus to me in Matthew 11, where he says, I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for your souls. Then when we return to the ancient way, the, the old ways, the ways of biblical Christian, Christian spirituality, to return to me, you will find rest in those places. The, really this week, as I've been praying my way through a lot of what's been going on, um, more than once Isaiah 43 has come up um, into, my, into my thinking. And it felt so apropos to say this, read some of these verses today. I think um, God has brought this church thus far um, and will continue to leave, lead it forward. Where it, look at these words in Isaiah 43. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. He's speaking of the Exodus. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness in rivers, in the desert. As I said, this church belongs to him, and this, these moments we have together every week are a great blessing to me, because we love each other so well in this church, but I'm also, it's also a blessing because his spirit is here. It's the spirit of Jesus is present, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and he is the one that does ministry in our midst. He is the one that changes our lives, that draws us to himself. And, and heals us of whatever it is that we need. Sometimes we tend to think that the love of God is for someone else. Some of us tend to think that Jesus may heal someone else 2,000 years ago, but he's not gonna heal me today. Friends, I would encourage you to w- reject that mindset. That we tend to think that Jesus walked the streets of Galilee so long ago healing people and somehow he stopped. He never stopped. He continues to walk through the aisles of this church today. And he, he still touches lives as he sees fit, to deliver and sanctify. And so friend, maybe you're in a place today where you you need the healing of the Lord emotionally, spiritually, even physically. God will do that in his timing and as he sees fit. As we have a time of ministry together, come to God with your brokenness. Bring him whatever it is that you have or is a burden today. Um, And receive it for yourself. I mean, if I gave you a Christmas present and you said, no, I don't want this, and you gave it back to me, that'd be rude, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, especially if I got you a new iPhone 15. I think you would be happy about that. But no, it's the same way with the healing of God. God continually says, I'm giving you, my gra- I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you healing. I'm giving you eternal life. I'm pouring out everything for you. And us, in our, in our waywardness, we tend to go, no thanks, I'm full. I'm good. Can you imagine? There's an element of being vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable with God. We have to let him do what only he he can do. I mean, the Holy Spirit is like a wind. He's like fire. He's uncontrollable in that way. And and I, for one, am at a place in my life where I I do not want to get in his way. I want him to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Because I said, this is his church. It's his time. And he's going to do amazing works and wonders at Wesley Memorial, and I, I think across the triad and across North Carolina for the next many, many years. There was a great, great harvest, friends, 
out in the, in the fields all around us. So many people are just hungry, desperate to know the love of God in their lives. And the grace of God is drawing, drawing people to himself. And so if that's you today, and you have that deep, deep need, come forward for prayer. Don't hesitate, because you, it's not a scare tactic. Tomorrow's not promised, right? It's not. Don't say, as James said in James chapter five, well, I'm gonna go do this and that, I'm gonna make plans for this and that. No, you don't know. You really don't. All we have is this very moment, this is it. So when, when God draws us to himself and, he, and we, we, we can receive his grace for our lives and become born again, why in the world would you not take advantage of that? It's the greatest news ever. Like this is the greatest proclamation. This is that, that your sins can be forgiven. You can live eternally forever with God. Don't pass that up, my friend. I know there's many in here that already know that, but there might be one that doesn't. Friend, I'm gonna pray, and then you're welcome to come forward for prayer as we continue to worship together. Lord, in this place, we thank you that this is your time. This is your church, Lord. And we pray in the name, in your name, Jesus, that you would do what only you can do in this place, to redeem and restore. Lord, help us to return to the ancient paths, where, as you say, where the good way lies. And I pray for anyone here today that they're in a place where they need to reject the bad way. They are taking the broad way, which leads to destruction. As you say, Lord, the narrow way leads to life. Very few find it. But God, your heartbeat, your passion, is for all to know eternal life in you. It's for all to know the he- your healing presence, the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, making us new creations. That this promise is not for someone else. It is for each of us individually, personally, Heal and sanctify and deliver your people, O God. As you say in Isaiah, you are making a a straight, a path through the desert. You're making a path in what looks barren and empty and lifeless. You're making streams flow where nothing, it looked like nothing would ever grow. God, you're the only one that can work the, the miraculous, can make the impossible possible. You bridge the gap between sin and death into the kingdom of heaven. And we pray, Jesus, that you would rule and reign within the hearts of your people. Restore within us the joy of our salvation. Remind us the vigor and the faith of our youth. Remind us that we are not dead, but that we are alive in you. And that your promises are eternal and steadfast and true and we can receive those for ourselves today by faith we run into your arms